calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. The Astrea Trilogy Written and read by Seymour Hamilton Book Two, The Men of the Sea Chapter Fifteen, in which Astrea is once more at sea. Hunched almost double in the tiny cabin, Astrea shivered, suddenly aware that, as they sailed, he had been getting progressively colder. He found his jacket in the sack Lindy had brought and put it on. He frowned when he noticed that the waterproof pocket was heavy with the shipstone in its metal egg, which she must have taken from the hanging fabric bowl. She noticed him patting his pocket without comment as she turned up the lantern, which both brightened and began to warm the space. By its light, Estrella saw that Arneb was stretched out on the port bench. "'Good,' said Lindy. "'Your job is to keep things clean and pass me stuff. I've put what we've got on the table.' Estrella looked at rolled bandages, a pile of clean cloths, a bowl half full of water, needles and thread laid out on a cloth, and a knife with a blade no bigger than his finger's end. He swallowed once, and then looked over Lindy's shoulder at Arneb. One dark eye looked back. The other was covered by his hand, holding the bloody pad that had been part of Lindy's skirt. "'He's got a cut that starts at his left eyebrow,' goes across his cheek, down to his lip, and then across his chin. There's so much blood I don't know if it missed his eye or not. Have we anything to give him for pain? He's had a few sips of something like whiskey. Poteen, said Arneb behind his bandage. I'm not sure that's a good idea. Not enough to make me stupid, if that's what you're thinking, Estrella. Arneb's words, though muffled and slow, were deliberate and in control. Estrella, keep the cut clean so I can see what I'm doing. We'll start at his eyebrow. You'll need to... Arneb began. You need to keep still. For better or worse, I'm in charge. You're in luck, Arneb. I've had a fair amount of practice lately. Right, Estrella, damp cloths. Ready, Arneb, we're going to start. Ease back on your forehead and eye. Keep the pressure on your cheek and chin. Arneb grunted. In the first few moments after Cam and Damon had scrambled aboard the ship, Estrella wondered whether the crew might decide to turn on their rescuers and seize Seafoam. But as he had to concentrate on helping Lindy, his misgivings receded. Only much later, when he looked back on what he had helped her to do, was Estrella aware of the risks they had taken. They were working so close to Arneb's eye that the least mistake could have cost him his vision. At any moment, Seafoam could have been rocked and jostled by Cam and Damon returning, or by sailors from Elusive. They worked with their heads almost touching, completely absorbed in what had to be done. Arneb's good eye watched them, 
now exposed and staring, now peering out between slit lids, now closed tight in the effort not to wince. When Lindy finished the last of the critical stitches around Arneb's eye, she paused to assess what she had done before moving on to the larger cut across his cheek. That looks good, Lindy. You're doing well, said Estrella. So are you, she said voicelessly, her lips moving swiftly. Estrella was looking at Arneb's face. You're both doing just fine. Now, if one of you could wipe my left eye... Estrella carefully sponged around the stitches as Lindy threaded her needle to start on Arneb's cheek. Can you see? No. Wait now. A bit. Yes. Ready, Estrella? Arneb, grit your teeth. We're going after your cheek. Emboldened by the knowledge that Arneb's eye had survived, she approached the rest of the task with more confidence. Eventually, when Lindy had made a series of neatly knotted stitches down Arneb's cheek and onto his chin, she looked up and nodded. The bleeding had almost stopped, and though the stitches had puckered the skin, they were holding. You're going to have a scar, Arneb. Arneb accepted Estrella's hand to help him to a sitting position. He spoke carefully out of the right side of his mouth. I'm not surprised. I'm sorry about John. We couldn't find anyone. John was ready for what he did. He wanted to kill Mofred more than anything, including his own life. He wasn't interested in surviving. He seemed a good man. He was. My friend and shipmate. Since the killing, one thing kept him going. Kill Mufred. Arneb paused, and the three of them were silent. He's at peace now. I'd like to see Mufred's body, to be sure, but— He interrupted himself. You have a steady hand, Lindy. Thank you. It's my first time with a face. Up to now, only arms and backs. Oh, yes, and a horse at home in mattress. People have thinner skins. You and Estrella work well together. He was ready with what you needed before you had to ask. She did the same for me when we were painting. She started to tidy up the cabin, saw that she needed more water to wash away the blood, and climbed the companionway. Estrella saw her start up the steps, and then was suddenly very aware that her skirt now ended in a ragged line higher than her knees. Arneb noticed his look, began his thin smile, and winced. How did you find her, Estrella? The stone. Her clasp. It was Gar's. Gianfar's. It was just a dark green pebble when Gar gave it to me. Estrella lit it. Well, I'm jiggered. Estrella started a stone, just like that, and we never knew. When we met, Lindy, I felt something. Decided it was a ship coming into range. Because you didn't think a woman could. Um, yes, but— I had it on my arm, same as Estrella. It tickled when we first met, and you must have seen it last night when we were going through the tunnel. Saw the green, thought it was Estrella. Had a lot on my mind. We all did. If only Alnair had known. But then Estrella wasn't ready. Alnair knew there was more to the stones than just finding your way back to the mother ship. He showed us how to make them pulse so we could send messages. The way you did to John from the inn? The way you and Lindy did when you first went to sea. What do you mean? 
I made my stone blink, hoping Lindy would see, but I never thought. And I made mine blink back to you, but I thought it didn't work. I never got the message. We did. Anyone inside the horizon from the two of you got blasted by three pulses and then three more. We figured one came from Cygnus, but— You didn't think a woman could. Um, yes, you're right. We assumed. Arnold looked at Lindy with renewed respect. The boat rocked, and they heard the sound of feet on the deck and in the cockpit. Cam appeared down the companionway, talking as he came. Bet you thought we weren't coming back. Figured we was all killed and eaten, or something like that. We were busy, said Estrella. You weren't the only ones. Hey, Arneb, you're looking better than you did when I last saw you. Lindy's sewed you up pretty good. How's it feel? It hurts to laugh. And you, the funny man, always chuckling. Now, you're not going to believe this. When we heard the healing, Damon and me went below. Nobody in the stern. Stuck our heads into the space where they cook up the shit. Bad smell? No people. Looked in the galley. Smells? But not quite so bad. Same with the mess deck. Kicked open a few doors where they have their bunks. Again. Nothing. Get on with it, Cam, said Lindy. Listen to me. You gotta know how everlasting weird it was. Just the two of us going up and down the passages, all of them empty, banging our heels every now and again, listening, hearing a reply, not being able to tell where. They were in the fish-hold, said Arnab. Spoiler, that's where we found them. They'd been locked in, thumping big crossbar again the door. Took both of us to move it. So we opened up, and out came a couple dozen men. They smelled real bad, too, I can tell you. And now we get to the strange part. Did they say thank ye? No. Did they ask for food and water? No. Although one of them told the oldest to tend to that. What did the rest of them do? Oh, for goodness sake, Cam, tell us, said Lindy. They went to work salvaging the ship, that's what. They're still at it. And if Damon and me thought the smells were bad before, you should, well, um, well, you shouldn't. They've got some stuff to patch the holes with. It's bad. Real evil. Wold, said Estrella. Come again? Wold. They make the longboats out of it. You're standing on it. But I didn't know it worked on the main hull. Just how do you think we kept the fleet sailing for near a century? Well, you didn't, did you, said Cam? Only two of them left. Not one of the great ships sank because they were holed, damaged, or stove in. Hull repair. Every one of us learned how, almost before we could walk. Merak never told me about that, said Estrella. He should have. You're not a crewman if you don't know your job when it comes to damage control and hull repair. Cam looked from Arnim to Estrella and back again. Now, can I go on? Point is, they want the rest of the crew back from Cygnus, so that they can get to sea again. And they want us, that's you, Estrella, to make it happen. They what? They want to go back to sea, Lindy demanded. First thing they said, when they'd finished with stopping up the leaks, that is. We told them Mufrid's gone, and not one of them shed a tear about that, I can tell you. They talked a bit together around the pumps. Did I tell you they're on their way to getting her dry? They even think she could float off next high tide. We're not going to take two dozen men in sea foam, said Estrella. They know that. They want you, us, to fetch Cygnus here. And now the men in black are gone, they also want a new skipper who can navigate. That, 
and a chance to resupply and re-rig. Turns out they've got some spare spars aboard, but not enough. Mulfred always had plenty of gear. I'll say that much for him. We're not going to hang about here while they fix the ship. We have to get on him to where he can recover, said Lindy. That's certainly not Charton, said Damon. And considering how we parted, I don't see Adrimin eagerly following my advice about where to take Cygnus, said Estrella. You have a point. You're not the ideal messenger. But if Adrimin's anything like the rest of his family, he'll want another ship he can control. Then why don't you, said Estrella. Because he's not fit, said Lindy. He needs rest and decent food and care from someone who knows what they're doing. He's done right good so far, said Cam. When we told Elusive's crew that Mufrid was dead, they all wanted to know who Oron would choose from his family to be their new master, said Damon. Cam didn't tell them that the old man was dead. What's your plan, Estrella? You have a shipstone, and you know how to use it. You could take command of Elusive. Estrella shook his head. He instinctively rejected the idea of commanding Elusive without even considering navigation and working the stones. Anyone can see you're one of his descendants. You could even be the one foretold. Don't you start that. That's what old Peg said. I didn't believe her, but I went along with the idea so I could get back to... back to Charton. But I only got thrown over the side. Walt was right. I'm no master of a ship. Then you'd better think about what to do with the Dirty Duck's shipstone, because they're going to try to get it back. Easy, chuck it over the side. But Damon looked at Estrella thoughtfully and silently went up to the cockpit. Estrella did not reply. The solution was simple and effective, but when he thought about how much he had learned, he hesitated. Arned looked into his eyes. Could you, Estrella, knowing what it can do, knowing what you can do with it, you take it on him, and I can't wield it, and I have things to do ashore. I tell you what, take Seafoam. Now she's got a shipstone, she's not just a boat. You'd give me Seafoam? Lend. If I'm lucky, I'll come back and help you sailor. Just put me ashore today. Nonsense, Arneb, said Lindy. You need to convalesce. You need someone to change your bandages and make sure you're not infected and put food into you while you recover. You're going to stop me? Yes, I am. No problem. Try to stand up. Arneb rose, swayed, and sat down again. See? You can't. You've lost too much blood. Damon, said Cam, where you been? Getting food. Someone has to do something more than talk. Damon thumped down a large jug and a canvas bag that looked and sounded as if it contained fist-sized stones. Well, we're glad you did, said Lindy. And how are your arms? Sore. Well— Tender, anyway. Mostly it's my hands, from sliding down that rope from the ship to the molly. Wash them in the sea, said Arnhem. It'll sting, but the sores won't go bad on you. What did they give you for us to eat? You can be sure it's fish, said Estrella. And what's wrong with that? Arnhem asked, the side of his face without the stitches showing the beginnings of a smile. Nothing at all. It's just that now and then it's nice to have a fresh egg or a pork chop, said Estrella. What is this? Lindy asked as she helped Damon pass out pinkish chunks about the size and shape of a man's palm. Finest kind of fish, preserved in—oh, good stuff, good stuff, said Arneb, producing his knife to shave off a thin sliver that did not require him to open his mouth too wide. Salmon, 
said Lindy, after tasting. "'But I can't tell what's been added.' "'Better not to know. You ain't been aboard one of them ships.' "'It's nourishing,' said Estrella, conscious that he was not being persuasive. "'And healthy,' he added. "'There's beer,' said Damon. "'Got any mugs?' Arneb waved a hand at a line of mugs hanging from their handles along the bulkhead. Cam poured from the jug and passed the mugs around. Damon took a mouthful, looked around wildly, and spat it back into his mug. "'You call that beer? That's awful!' "'Not a good batch,' said Arneb after taking a sip. He poured his mug back into the jug. The others sniffed cautiously, glanced at each other, and slid their mugs back onto the table. "'Water in the little barrel under the companionway steps,' said Arneb. "'Filled fresh only yesterday.' They chewed and sipped water in silence, while sunlight gradually overcame the lantern. With the light came sounds of chopping, shawing, and heavy thumping. Cam climbed the companionway, threw the remains of the beer over the side, and called back down. "'They're cleaning up on deck and launching one of them longboats.' "'There's your answer, Estrella,' said Arneb. They can't find Cygnus without a stone, so we'll leave them there, and they can make their own deal with Adramin. Estrella finished the thought, grateful for the suggestion. Cygnus isn't far away. Even without using the shipstone, I can find her. Fine, said Damon. Shall I tell them? Estrella nodded. Damon hurried up the companionway steps and began shouting. That's a start. Now, about me going ashore. You stay where you are, said Lindy. Arneb held up both his hands in surrender and smiled lopsidedly at her. "'Then what? You lead them to the ship, then what do you do? You're not going aboard to tell Mufrid's sons that he's dead, are you?' Mistreya shook his head. "'We just take them to where they can see Cygnus, and then we sail away. Even if Cygnus tries to follow, Seafoam can outrun her. And if she tries, Cygnus has to stay a lot further from shore, and we can lose her behind an island or something.' Estrella glanced at Arneb and Lindy. He thought he sensed approval, but he wondered whether they knew that he had been talking himself into his plan as he was improvising it. Rather than reveal his misgivings, he stood, climbed up the companionway, and looked past the ship toward the headlands, which now stood out against a dawn sky flecked with mackerel-backed clouds. While they had been below, the wind had shifted, and was now blowing gently from the shore. To starboard, Elusive's black sea-stained hull rose out of the water, Masts and spars held bobbing against her by the remains of her rigging. She was oddly still, the waves splashing against her as if she were a wharf instead of a ship. Astrea thought of Spindrift and shuddered. Arneb's voice came from below. "'Turn around and let them see you, Astrea.' Astrea followed the advice and looked astern, where only a boat's length away was a longboat like the one in which Mirak had taught him. Aboard her were three men— two of them holding their lines to the ship, ready for the helmsman to tell them to let go. Like seafoam, the boat was gaff-rigged, so that it could pass as a fishing-boat. Estrella waved, and the man on the bow stood erect and swung his right fist to his throat. Estrella waved again, imitating Oron's gesture of acknowledgment. The two men stood in the loose readiness of sailors about to go into action. Estrella turned and looked at his own crew. Cam was already on the foredeck, where he had freed the jib and was standing by the line that held the boat's bow to elusive. Damon climbed into the cockpit. Here, Damon, let's get the main up. This is going to be easy. The wind's changed. We won't even have to tack. Estrella and Damon went forward to the halyards and hauled together. The mainsail climbed the mast and flapped gently. 
Estrella turned and looked astern at Lucy's longboat. Let go, Estrella yelled and cast off the stern line. Ahead, Cam did the same and then scrambled back into the cockpit. Port tack, then we'll go straight out downwind, said Estrella as the sail filled. He glanced astern and saw that the other boat was following his lead. It was even easier than he had expected. In a few moments they were around the stern of Elusive and out into open water, where Estrella let sea foam run downwind. He relaxed, lulled by the chuckling sound of water around the bow as it cut through the little waves of the bay. With the tiller in one hand and the main sheet in the other, Estrella felt the boat come alive. His tiredness ebbed and his confidence returned. When they reached the gap between the two headlands, the wind strengthened and the falling tide hastened them on their way out to sea. Soon, when the entrance to Charlton Harbour was behind them, the wind died away, and they rose and fell on smooth swells that gleamed as if they'd been oiled. Except for a soft creaking as sea foam rolled from side to side, the boat was silent. Estrella heard sounds of movement from the cabin. "'We're stopped. Where's that nice wind gone?' said Damon. Estrella pointed to the northeast, where the sea was ruffled into dark blue. "'Here it comes. We were riding the morning land breeze. Real wind will be on us in no time.' Estrella eyed the darker water dubiously. "'So, after we've shown that boat where the ship is, where will you take us, Estrella?' Estrella focused on the welcome task of sailing to cover his lack of a ready answer. "'Get ready. The wind will be here before the ripples get to us.' "'We can't go back to Charton,' said Damon. "'We tried that, and it didn't work.' Cat's paws of wind turned the sea dark. Estrella pushed back his sleeve to reveal the clasp. Damon stared at the green stone, grimacing as if he expected it to explode. Estrella glanced at the white spear of light at the heart of the stone, pulled the slack out of the main sheet, and took a half-turn around a cleat. "'Here's the wind!' Estrella's warning came as water chuckled under Seafoam's bow. He was ready, and eased the main sheet as the sail filled suddenly, but Damon was almost jerked off his feet by the jib-sheet he was holding. As Lindy grabbed the back of his shirt, he grunted with pain. "'Never wrap a rope around your hand, Damon.' "'No, she tells me.' "'Did the stitches hold?' "'It's not the stitches.' For a few moments Estrella split his attention between trimming the sails and checking the stone on his arm. He looked back to see that the other boat was following, and as he steadied sea-foam onto the new course, he saw that it was almost in his wake. Cam climbed onto the cabin roof and sat dangling his legs, one arm resting along the boom. "'What's all this about shielding the stones? I was just getting interested, but you got all testy.' "'Oron never told me about that,' one of the many things he hid. Now I come to think of it, the door of the forbidden room is made of metal. At the time I thought it was only to keep anyone without a clasp from getting in, but there must be a way of shielding the forbidden rooms. Arneb's voice came up the companionway. All of the fleet could shield their stones. Arneb, you should be lying down, not standing halfway up that staircase, said Lindy. Arneb continued speaking as if he had not heard her. He climbed carefully into the cockpit holding on with both hands, and braced himself against the windward combing, an arm's reach from Estrella. Oron, and Zubin before him, didn't want anyone to know how they navigated, which is why they shielded when they got near land. They were all unreasonably fearful that the secret of the stones might be discovered. Alner thought differently. That must have been Mufred's excuse, said Lindy. Excuse? For what? For the massacre of your people. 
Even seriously deranged people need an excuse for wholesale killing, if only to get their followers to do their bidding. She climbed out of the cockpit, moved forward, and stood with her back to the mast, looking ahead. Estrella, this woman is exceptionally perceptive. I know that, Arnab. Cam winked broadly at Damon, who grinned. Estrella wondered whether Lindy had heard his exchange with Arnab. He glanced at her, and saw her hair blowing in wisps around the back of her neck, occasionally giving him a glimpse of her left ear. If I could draw her, only I would know for certain who she is. They would see a woman looking out at the ocean. They might wonder what she hopes or fears to see over the horizon, but they wouldn't know how much I... how much I wish... how much I... I think I see sails, Lindy called, right where we're heading us. Lindy's right, said Cam. It's Cygnus, all right. She's still hull down over the horizon, but it can't be anybody else. Sea foam rose on a swell, and Estrella caught a glimpse that triggered what he had to do next. I see her too. Arneb, may I take her to full sail? Big jib too, if you think you can handle it. First we'll luff. Let Elusive's longboat get a bit closer, and then when she's on her way we'll come up to speed. He slacked off the main sheet so that the sail flapped. Sea foam settled lower in the water as her speed reduced. As the other boat drew closer and began overtaking to windward, he saw two faces peering at him from under the boom. Estrella shouted, "'Report to Cygnus! Dead ahead!' Nods and a salute indicated that they, too, had seen the distant sails. "'You're on your own. We have our orders.' Although he wasn't actually lying, he was setting them up to believe what was not so. "'Good luck!' He waved, and the faces disappeared behind the boat's sail. "'Now what?' Damon asked. "'We can't just sail. We need a destination.' Wishing that he could answer the question, Estrella concentrated on sailing seafoam well enough to escape criticism from Arneb. "'You're right, Damon,' said Lindy, appearing halfway up the companionway. "'So I'm going to have to take all of you home.' Estrella, can you sail this boat about three to four days' walk to westward of Charton? Estrella stared at her. There were so many possible implications to what she had said that he could only focus on the practical answer to her question. The walking. Is that by direct roads or tracks winding along the shoreline? Tracks. Given decent winds, a day, maybe? Depends on tides as well. What about the thing, the, the big green stone? "'Won't they see it and come after us?' Damon asked. "'The stone is somewhat shielded in its egg, "'and Dabby's going to have difficulty seeing our clasps without echo-stones,' "'said Estrella, hoping he was right. "'He'll have to be lucky, and smarter than we were. "'One moment John and I were sure you were at the Black Sheep. "'The next you were gone. "'And we didn't notice Lindy, even though she was almost within arm's reach. "'And once we get to Matris. There are good-sized hills all around, with tall islands blocking the entrance from the sea, said Lindy. Suits me. So, how do we get there, Lindy? I've never been this far away on the sea, said Lindy. Quick, Lindy, point home, said Estrella urgently. Point to Mattress. Don't think. Just point. Lindy raised her right arm and pointed. Now, think home. Think hard. Now look at your clasp and tell it to fix on home, on Mattress. He watched a small frown draw her eyebrows together, and he wondered briefly whether she might have been annoyed by his sudden demand. Then, as she pulled back the sleeve on her left arm, saw her frown replaced by surprise. It worked! It's as if it knew! I wish they'd stop doing that, Damon muttered. 
Good work, Lindy, said Arnhem. Now, here's what's going to happen, said Estrella. We're going to head northeast, away from where Lindy is pointing. Then, when we're out of sight of both Cygnus and Elusive's longboat, we'll alter course. Estrella, where are we going? Cam shouted. Matrix, Lindy's village. The one run by the women? Damon asked. That's not entirely accurate. The governance of Matris is based on an objective set of rules and conventions that were the result of— She saw Damon's eyes wander and changed her mind. You might say I'm inviting you to meet my grandmother. Your family? said Cam. I wasn't hatched, Cam. This should be interesting, said Cam. Astrea looked up at the set of the sails, over his shoulder into the wind, up to a sky streaked with mare's tail clouds and then back down to his companions in sea-foam, Damon, Cam, Arneb, and finally, Lindy. He felt the return of the tiredness that had stolen his confidence and energy the moment he'd stepped ashore from the molly. He took a long breath, gripped sea-foam's tiller, and held exhaustion at arm's length by willing himself into the determination that had maintained him all the long hours and days of navigating Cygnus northward. He tried to ignore the contradiction of being physically close to Lindy, and yet emotionally so distant that they only seemed to connect when there was some urgency commanding their joint attention. Would going to where she had been born change anything between them, or was it simply his job to deliver Arneb and Damon to where they could be healed, and then what? Sail where? This concludes the last chapter of Astraea, the Men of the Sea. The story continues in Astraea, the Wanderer's Curse, which is the last volume of the trilogy. You have been listening to the Astraea Trilogy, Book Two, The Men of the Sea, written and read by Seymour Hamilton. All three books are available in electronic and paper formats from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Chapters. Visit astreatrilogy.com for more about Astrea's world. This audio version is licensed under the United States Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0.